Hey guys, this episode of the Social Studies Podcast features Nika King, who plays Leslie Bennett on the hit TV show Euphoria. The new episode of that actually came out on HBO yesterday, so listen to this, fall in love with Nika, and definitely go watch the show on HBO. Hello, socialites. Welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, the podcast where I study being social by being social. So happy to have you back here. It's been a week. It has been a week. Now, I'm, I don't think that I have an addictive personality, but based off of things that I've been doing during quarantine, I think it's safe to say that I do. As you guys know, if you follow on the gram, I love a good rabbit hole. I love to fall down these twisted, weird subjects and learn everything about it. For example, I found a woman that makes art out of breast milk. What? Like, is that legal? I Do we know? We don't know. Another super super weird one was these competitions for little girls. They're like equestrian competitions, but horses don't do it. The girl does it. She like holds on to a horse head that's on a stick and gallops around the trail. I'm like, what in British hell is happening? But I get down some good ones too. Like right now it's Survivor. I have watched four seasons of Survivor since we've last spoke, and I'm not mad about it. I'm thoroughly obsessed with the show. Still want to be on it. I told you last week that I was going to apply. I haven't applied yet, but you bet your sweet ass I am going to do it. Yes, I sure am. And I'm going to get on that show, and I'm going to make a bunch of friends, and then I'm going to lie to their faces and vote their sorry asses goodbye, because that's what we're going to do. But another rabbit hole, because it's often TV shows too. Euphoria. Girl, have you watched Euphoria? If you have teenage kids, it will make you cringe at the things that teenagers do that we don't really think that they do. Holy shit. It's wild. At first, I was kind of like, eh, I'm not going to watch this. It sucks you right in. Zendaya's in it. She won Best Actress an Emmy for that. Okay? That's how good this shit is. And if you aren't into the show, listen to it for the soundtrack alone because the musical selection is just chef's kiss, bitch. It's so good. Another reason to watch is because, wait, what? Our next guest is actually on the show, Nika King. Nika King plays Zendaya's mom on the show. She used to be a former teacher, which I had no idea about and is amazing. So without further ado, I give to you the social studies podcast with Nika King. Try to catch me howling at the moon. Welcome to the Social Studies Podcast, you guys. I Am I freaking out? I might be freaking out. Nika King! Nika! Thank you for coming hey. on. 
Thank you for having me. This is fun. I don't I don't do many podcasts, so I'm excited. Well, you you have one of your own, right? Yes, that was kind of during COVID and I was bored and I wanted to create and I wanted to do something and I had this whole epiphany like I need to tell people what happened to me when I was dating this guy. <laughs> so I did the whole King Confessions and it was cool. It was cool. I, I got a bunch of comedian friends to kind of come on and, and confess to things that they've never told anybody. So it was fun. So I'm thinking about doing maybe a round two. We'll see. So true story. The first episode of this podcast came out a week before the world went into lockdown. Wow. So this has yeah. been like my keeping me sane and the mm-hmm. audience on the podcast is just like through the roof. And I'm like, oh, so so they are hungry for something to do too. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because people, people are home. So people want to, you know, check in and see what's out there, stay connected to the world, right? Because we're, we were isolated for a long period of time and it's already like December, you know, like time is just speeding up. It's crazy. I can't even believe it too. I'm sitting here like looking out my rainy Seattle window and I'm like, I'm still in my house. Like, can we just oh my not? Gosh, God bless you. Um, okay, super excited to have you on today too because you would be shocked how many people I have on and find out that they used to be a teacher and you were too. Yes, I was a teacher. Not not because I wanted to be. Uh, because, I hear you. Um, but when I, when I graduated from college, there was the program, and I, I don't know if it's still out, but if you went back to like your alma mater, which for me, that was Carroll City, and it was a, like an inner city school, you get like portions of your loans paid off. So I was like, wow, that's appealing. Like, yeah. that would be awesome. So then I went back to my old school, and I taught theater and dance. And it was fun. The first year, I was, I was only like, 22. And it was like, literally, I had a student in my class who was a freshman when I was a senior. It was so weird because I had just turned 22. And so a lot of my kids kind of remembered me almost, but it was like, okay, just imagine teaching kids who are not too much younger than you are. And we kind of was the same, (laughs) almost, you know, kind of growing up together, but it was fun. I had so much fun teaching those kids. I have to give you so much credit because I kind of did the same thing too. I graduated, went into teaching because you know how entertainment is. You you said you studied, Mm -hmm. you studied theater, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. From the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see you. Go Gators. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you either go all in and you do it or like you do it while you're doing a day job too. And we kind of had that in common too, but what I taught elementary and literally Nika, like could never have taught high school. Could never. How did you do it? Like I, I literally hear these stories of high school. And then on top of that, watching euphoria, that shit's real. (laughs) That's going on. I feel like my life is like full circle. You know, um, when I was teaching high school, I remember the first day I couldn't open the door. Like the key was jammed. And it was taking some time and and the kids were like getting like impatient and everybody was already in their classrooms. And literally a guy, one of the students, he goes, man, this bitch can't even open the door. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. If this is how the first day is going, I'm in trouble. But he turned out to be like my best student. He brought me an apple one day. I was just like, look at you. You just, you just was trying to, you know, give me a hard time. Now you realize this is like one of, I'm one of your 
funnest teachers. Like we had so much fun, like, cause it's theater, right? You, you can, mm-hmm. you can go as crazy as you want. And, and I taught them about Tupac. I had a Tupac yes. lesson. I was, I was all off the curriculum. I was like, I'm going to do what I want to do, you know, cause I want to keep the kids engaged. So it was fun. It was fun. I had a fifth grader once tell me <laughs> that he looked at me and said, you're just a little bitch who's still sucking on that titty. <laughs> no. And I, and he was a little, like little, little, little. And I literally had, I was just like, hold up. And I had to walk right. away and just laugh. Oh my gosh. But I tell people yeah, they, this. They start too. young. <laughs> I tell people this all the time and people don't understand teaching and comedy hand in hand because like, oh yes, I can deal with 30 hecklers in front of me nine to five and then go work the stage and the hecklers who are Exactly. At the club are nothing compared to what I just dealt with. Exactly. Because kids, they have no filter and they and they come out of left field. They will they will say something or do something. They're like, where did that come from? But, you know, and then you write it down later. Like, oh, I got to put that in my set later. That's funny. <laughs> exactly. So that's actually how I got started, too. I would literally go do my sets after work because, you know, teachers are so un- overwhelmingly underpaid. So when oh, yeah. I first started, I was doing comedy to like put gas in my car to get to work. And that's wow. how like my journey sort of started. I would go after work to the clubs and I would tell stories about my kids. And then one day I had a table full of parents from my classroom. Oh my gosh. But they how did lo- that go? They loved it. They loved oh, okay. it. They were like, they were literally after the show, they like stayed around the bar and they were like, you're talking about my son. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, thank God. I didn't lose <laughs> Right. Cause that could have went either way, you know, but thank you had cool parents. So that was cool. That was cool. Do you notice yourself still like getting into teacher mode when you're on set because you work with some of Hollywood's like top youth? Do you ever mm-hmm. feel like a mentor to them or helping them in any way? Like you used to when you were teaching? Well, these girls, uh, Zendaya and Storm Reed, who who are most of my scenes are with, they they are like professionals. Like they've been doing it for a while. I'm actually their mentee. I'm like, teach me, teach me. What can I learn? I love that. Um, but it's it's fun because I play the role of a mother, Leslie, and I'm very like hard on the girls, but also very loving. And then when the cameras stop, we have these great conversations about boys and school and relationships. And so it's fun. It's fun because I get to be, I get to be their friend as well. You know, they have their own mothers and I don't have kids. So we, we have this kind of cool relationship where, you know, we have these wonderful discussions around just life and growing up because, you know, I've been where they are. And we, we like to dance and joke and all that stuff. So it's, it's always a fun time when I'm on set. Now, I'm not blowing smoke at you by any means. I am like very critical when I'm watching TV shows. And mm-hmm. the, the relationship that you have with Zendaya is so unbelievably believable and realistic and raw and mm-hmm. captivating. And... I always wonder when you do your scenes, how much creativity do you two have to let go? Especially when you're like in an argument or a fight, it's just so natural. Like what does that dynamic sort of look like? And how do you two work together to create such beautiful art? I think the first thing with any actor you're playing across from is trust. Like you have to trust this actor to kind of give you what you need and also to trust that you're going to give them what they need. And a lot of our scenes, I think 
all of them actually were improvised. Oh, stop it. Yes. Shout out to Groundlings Improv. Okay, 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 okay. You did did something good. You gave me some tools that I could use. Uh, But yeah, all of our scenes were improv. It was literally one sentence on the page and said, you know, Rue and Leslie have a fight. And so we just, we just went in, you know, and it, it, it got crazy. I don't, I don't know if you've seen like a lot of those episodes where we're fighting and we're throwing stuff and it's, it's like, that's real. That's a real like moment. You can't write that. You can't discuss that. Like, okay, so I'm gonna do this and then you do that. And then you, no, 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 no. You know, it's always great when you can evoke emotions around pain you know because for me like I've I've had friends who are meth addicts who were models and I look up and they they're like skeletons of themselves because they fell into drugs and and so I I used a lot of that to kind of work this character and and have these uh moments with uh Rue in the show you guys do such an incredible job it's like thank you you it's it's unbelievable and to answer your question, you said, I don't know how much you have seen. Uh, I have seen all of it. <laughs> Let's just say. Because I, I always have to ask because people are like, I started the first episode. I, I have to go back. I have to because it's it's a oh, lot, no. right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, I like, I love the show so much that I was, I'm at dabbling between Halloween costumes right now. And <laughs> up at the top of my list is Maddie at the carnival. Oh. Oh, yes, Maddie at the carnival. You, that, you, you're going to have a lot of competition, I'm pretty sure. A lot of people doing Maddie. People oh, no, 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 no. Other people are going to have a lot of competition. But not you. <laughs> but yes, correct me. Correct me, boo-boo. <laughs> I, no, but I the, the makeup and the costumes are unbelievable as well. And the color, it complements the picture so well and how it goes. Do you guys have like creativity in working with costume and makeup in terms of how that works for your own character? Because I notice how your character of Leslie is rather muted at times to bring more attention to Rue and the family. And like, what's the creative process behind the scenes there? Well, shout out to the makeup department. They actually won an Emmy for, for the makeup. Yes, and congratulations. We won, yeah, we won one for music. And of course, Zendaya won for dramatic actress. So we, we, we win it out here in these streets, which mm-hmm. is awesome um, because everybody worked so hard. And I mean, my character is literally like sweats, cardigans. Like they were like, okay, you, you ain't got no man. Ain't nobody checking for you. Your daughter is running amok. We gonna just we just gonna make sure you look kind of worn down, which is which for me was great because I didn't have to come to set and just hey, literally put on a little foundation, put on the the, the costume, the wardrobe, and I'm ready to go. But for everyone else, Donnie, um, the the head of makeup, her and Kirsten, they really developed these looks. Like I would go into the trailers and they would have these images everywhere. And I would be like, man, can I get just a pink flower? Can I get a little <laughs> yes. neon eyeliner? And they're like, no, no, you get nothing. But we'll give you a, we'll give you a little more rude. We'll give you a little more blush. But um, but it was fun. It was fun. And so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, season two and. Well, I mean, it's only going to go up from here. Okay, we'll get into that, but you kind of like give a little <laughs> peeky to peeky peek peek. So we do have a special episode coming out before season two to keep the fans engaged, correct? Very correct. We actually shot that last week. 
it's going to be um, like a bridge episode, like you mentioned, to keep the fans kind of wanting more and salivating over, you know, what's going to happen next. And it's, I can't say much, but it's really good. Sam Levison, the writer director, he's just like brilliant. The things that he writes and, and the storylines that he creates are so dynamic. So yeah, so you're gonna have to wait for season two officially, but we're gonna give you a little, we're gonna get a little carrot on string, a little something, something. So, so how was working during COVID and lockdown though? Like what were the major changes that had to happen on set when you were like it I I haven't worked during all this, so I'm only wondering when I get back to work what that's gonna look like. Like was it just like insane or what? Well, it was different, very different. I was tested right there on site, oh, wow. you know, 15 minute rapid test. And then you kind of wait, you know, <laughs> and you're like, okay, I, I haven't really been around anyone. So, but everything was cool, came back negative. And then you just, you literally have to wear your mask every second because, you know, they want to keep everybody safe and they don't want to, um, they just want to make, I, and I'm pretty sure that's with the COVID regulations now. So you can remove your mask once you're in the scene, but as soon as you're like off the off the set, you have to put them back on. So no crafty. That's one thing I was really upset about. No crab services. You can't go over there and uh, raid the bar. Like nothing? Like There's, nothing? Oh, no. man. So you, you have your food delivered to your trailer and... You just kind of, if you want anything, of course, things are available, but there's no like, you know, kind of going to an open buffet and, and kind of picking and choosing. And so that was different. But, you know, it's to me, I, I was just happy to be back. I'm not going to lie. I At first I thought, oh, it's cool. Like I'm, I'm enjoying the time off. Like I like, you know, being home with my family. And then when I got in my trailer and I sat down, I was like, I miss this. This is nice. Yeah. I, you know, so it it felt good to be to be back on set. Have you been doing comedy at all since like quarantine happened in March? I have not. I haven't done comedy since I did a spot at the Improv in Miami. That club is enormous. Yeah, it is, and it was good. It was such a good. My family came and my some friends and stuff from from my hometown. So it was. I love. I actually love that. Love that spot. But no, no stand up. I'm hoping to get some stand up in before the year ends, but. I have a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk about. So I'm hoping it's funny because now my set is so different mm -hmm. than it was just six months ago and what I talk about and how I express myself because of what's, ever, what's happening in the world and COVID and social injustices and protests and elections and this and that. And so now I, you know, I have so much material to uh, bring to the stage. So I'm excited. I am so ready to get on that stage. Oh my God. Tell me about it. I, I like, I was on tour when all this happened and then mm -hmm. it was just getting the call week after week. The next, the next week is mm -hmm. all pushed back the next week back. So I'm not mm -hmm. back till 21, but oh wow! in the meantime, I've been just consuming so much comedy, including yours. Mm -hmm. And I watched oh, a few of your you. sets that I related to <laughs> oh so much. God. So I'm actually originally from Detroit. And okay. when I moved out the to see yes, me, I moved out to Seattle and people sort of, they look at me and they're like, there's the softer man or whatever. And then in your comedy, mm -hmm. you say the funniest thing that I relate to so hard. You talk to people and you say, bitch, I am friendly. <laughs> and literally that plays through my head all the time because I'm like, I, you no, don't I'm not know the me. one. <laughs> like, right? like, oh my 
my and gosh. Oh, I, I, my, my friends was like, you need to put that on a shirt. You need to put that oh, on a shirt. And I'm like, please, I have to so I can buy it. Merch. <laughs> oh my God. Literally. Yeah, it's because I guess people, people, you know, I don't know what it is, but people always come up to me. They want to touch my hair. They want to have these long conversations. They want to tell me what happened to them when they was eight years old. It's like, I don't know if I have that face where it's warm and inviting, but I'm like, okay, sometimes it becomes a little too much, but you know, it's, it's fun. It's for me. I always look at life through a lens of humor. You know, I always, I always look at things like, okay, this happened. How can I make it funny? So it's, yeah, bitch, I ain't friendly is definitely uh, one of my uh, favorite tags. Literally put it on a T-shirt. And if you don't, I'm going to get it tattooed to my forehead. And that's just how that's going to go. I'll give you credit. <laughs> Thank you. And then a little a little side right underneath the teardrop. Just put a teardrop and put my initials in it. There Hell we no. go. I want to backtrack and go back to the show for just a second, too. There, so I have a very big LGBT audience as well. And one of the most captivating things in the show, too, is the character of Jules by Hunter Schaefer. And one of the really mm-hmm. cool things that I uh, that we notice as we watch the show and as I talk to my friends who are of the Rainbow family, the mm-hmm. dynamic between um, Rue and her family and Jules coming into the picture and nobody ever questions it or has a problem with their, mm-hmm. is it a relationship or not? It's just kind of like, my kids are happy and we're just going to move mm-hmm. forward. And I thought that was a really powerful thing for America to see mm-hmm. how these sort of issues should be handled with uh, mm-hmm. when, you're, when your kids are identifying as LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have to say about like that relationship aspect of the show and, and how it came to be? Well, you know, I think how Sam wrote Euphoria season one was definitely, it didn't harp on the fact that she was trans it presented her as a human being. And I think the relationship between Rue and Jules was just presented to us because they needed each other in that moment. And I don't know if you have anyone in your family or your circle that's been addicted to drugs, you know, anything to kind of keep them off that path. Mm. But we now see Rue's kind of becoming a little obsessive with Jules. You know, so now their relationship is up in question, right? And so now we, you know, we're going to go deeper into that relationship and figure out, like, how do they figure it out? I'm not ready. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's really beautiful just to watch the whole thing unfold and see how it's written in the sense of... uh you're you're there for your child. You're there as the mother. You're so strong with it. Where do you pull from for your character? How did you create her? Well, my character, Leslie, is definitely my mom. Like, I pulled a lot from my mom. My mom is very strong. She raised six kids on her own. You know, she also had a drug addiction with us growing up. She beat that over 25 years clean. And so I saw firsthand how it affected her as well as us, as well as the rest of our family. And so a lot of people don't realize when when there's an addict in the family, it, it becomes a burden for all of us. And especially for Rue, because she's a teenager, right? She's, she's only 16 and she's going through these major um, obstacles and trying to stay clean and, and stay healthy and stay mentally, you know, um, aware of of everything that's going around her. So 
it's it's tough. It's tough. And as a parent, you don't want to see your kids go through something like that. You don't want to see your kids get bullied. You don't want to see your kids, you know, um, not make the basketball team. You don't want to see, you know, you want to always be in, you know, protection mode. And I think with Leslie, she's always in protection mode. And when, you know, Rue starts really acting out, she has to kind of give her some tough love because she also has a younger daughter, you know, Gia, like you don't want her to follow you know, Ruth's path, Ruth's path of addiction and, 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 you know, lying and stealing. And so it becomes, it becomes a task, you know, and I'm, you know, I don't play shit anyway. So I'm like, let's do it. Like how you, I'm like, do you want me to ad lib? Do you want me improv some whoopings? Like I, I can get it done. <laughs> it's like, no, Nika, it's okay. We, this is a biracial kid. We don't, <laughs> we want to, we want to balance it out, but no, uh, but no, I, I'm joking, but um, it's Leslie is definitely like, she's my, she's my solace, you know, because coming from comedy and really wanting to do drama. And now I get to do drama on such a high level. Oh my God. And you do it beautifully. I remember when I first, God, I don't know what episode it was. It was one of the first times uh, it might have been when you were picking Rue up from either the hospital or from rehab mm-hmm. for the first time. And I was watching the show with a few friends. And, you know, I also have addiction that is in my family. So I do have a, maybe a deeper understanding than the common person. Mm-hmm. And they were watching your character and they just said, wow, you really do anything to help your kids, no matter what mm-hmm. it is. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you did mm-hmm. such a good job of portraying that. It's When you were reading the Thank script you. What, before you auditioned, were you kind mm-hmm. of like, oh my God, like this is like my life, but like flipped. Was it just yes. like unbelievable? Definitely. It was, it was totally like full circle moment, you know, like because my, I had just lost uh, my uncle to an overdose. Um, and I was just like, you know, you just, you go in and you, you know, certain roles you really, really want, right? you like, I really, really, really want this role because I had auditioned for Shake It Up, which was one of her show, her, her last shows on Disney. And people would always tell me, oh, you need to play Zendaya's mom. You're both tall. You're both skinny. You're both silly and goofy. Like you would totally like be perfect to play her mom. And so when I didn't get that role, um, Tammy Townsend did. That's my girl. I love her. She killed it. <laughs> So I kind of was like, man, I kind of missed my opportunity to like play Zendaya's mom. And then Euphoria came up and it was like such, it was such an elevated project. And for me, that's what I've always wanted to do. Like show people that I can do drama because I do have a theater degree, (laughs) you know? And so as you know, God was like, okay, here you go. Put it in my lap. Now, what you going to do? You know, and so it, it just happened. I had one audition and one audition. I, yeah. And, it you know, it doesn't work that way in Hollywood. <laughs> Literally Queen Nika. Like if we're putting it out into the world. Like the Emmy is yours next season. Like this, That is impressive. Yeah. So uh, what was your audition like? Like, was it was did you do a self tape or did you go in or how how to go? Yeah, I went inside um, Betty Mae Casting, and when I walked in, I saw all, like, Hollywood elite, right? Like, oh. people who I've watched on TV my whole life, and I'm just like, okay, you're not going to get this, but just have fun, you know? <laughs> oh and so, God. I'm like, 
you know, I'm, I'm trying to psych my mind out. Like, like, I don't care. Like who wants, and I didn't know who was attached at the time. I didn't know Zendaya was attached. I just knew this was the role. This was the project. I had read the script. I had loved the script. And then, so I go in, I do the audition and then I was like, okay, that was, that was all right. I mean, whatever. It's cool. I did my best. Okay. okay. And then my agent calls and he's like, okay, so you're on hold and you know, in Hollywood, you know what that means. Um, but then he was like, actually there's a table read and I'm like, wait, 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 hold on back up. So I haven't, I don't have to do a callback. I don't have to do a producer session. He was like, no, he was like, and by the way, you're playing Zendaya's mom. And I was just like, I was as I was at a girl's house. She was braiding my hair. I had never met her. I was screaming in her bathroom. <laughs> I was like, ah. He was like, "Are you are you are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm fine." Ah. And I was just I had a whole moment, and it, it was it was it was surreal. It really was. So that was that was like my audition process, you know, for for Leslie. Yeah, that crazy, is, right? Okay, for those of you who are listening at home, my. I literally just had to pick my job off the ground because what Nika just told us, like, this doesn't happen. <laughs> like, this does not go down like this. That Mm-mm. Congratulations. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Well-deserved, well-deserved. Thank you. Okay, so, you know you know how it is as a stand-up. And mm-hmm. uh, you start doing stand-up and you start getting a little notoriety and then people are like, when are you gonna, when are you gonna act? Like, when are you going on mm-hmm. screen? Like, what's mm-hmm. up with that? Was it so interesting to you because you were doing stand-up already knowing that like, this is where my future lies? Were you putting yourself out there uh, more readily like through your stand-up or like what was the integration between like doing stand-up and really getting dramatic? Well, right before Euphoria, I did um, a couple episodes of Greenleaf on OWN. And even though the, the role wasn't necessarily dramatic, it wasn't comedic. So it was just me kind of testing the waters, kind of um, doing a role that was was with kids as well. You know, I played a youth pastor. So it, it kind of prepared me for euphoria in a way because my mind was already in that mode. But now it's weird, right? I have euphoria as a credit, but it's not a comedy. So it, it kind of like when people say Nika King from euphoria, they're like, it's a little like, <laughs> it's a little disconnect. Like, okay, oh, wait, that's, that's a drama. Why is she doing stand-up? So I have to spend the first minute or so kind of massaging people's brains like, it's okay, <laughs> I can be funny as well. Watch me do this. And it's just like, people, people are, you know, people get stuck in these, you know, mindsets as oh, if, yeah. you know, like you can't be comedic and you can't be dramatic. I mean, look at Robin Williams. He He did it. He did it and did it beautifully. So, uh, so yeah, I have to kind of, I have to kind of whip my audience, you know, into believing like, oh wait, she, she give her a chance. She may be funny. And so, yeah. That's me with teaching too, because people, Mm -hmm. whenever I get on stage, people are like, yeah, there's this comedian here. He's a teacher. I'm like, comedian, 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 watch me slay that stage. (laughs) Blows my mind. I can tell too, you have a very, like you said, you didn't go into teaching because you didn't want to, but you were put there for a very important reason. I can tell you have this like teacher heart, this teacher compassion. Mm-hmm. That's like, I'm loving yeah. it. I'm loving it. Well, I have six, well, I have five brothers and sisters. And mm-hmm. so that would be our like 
we would literally play school. So I would be the teacher. Like I've always been bossy. So I've, I would always like, I'm the teacher. You're the students. You're going to do everything I say. Now you're going to write your name. You're going to write this. You're going to do your, your alphabets. And so they've always known me to kind of be that person uh-huh. um, in my family. So it, it wasn't a surprise that I taught for a couple of years. It's kind of like, oh, okay. I could see Nika as a teacher. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this though. When you when you left teaching, was it for an opportunity in entertainment or were you kind of like, I have my feet on the ground here, I'm gonna go pursue it? Was there something that mm-hmm. took you out or were you like, now's mm-hmm. the time to do it? So when I graduated college, I was like, I'm going to New York, I'm going to do Broadway, I'm going to be a Broadway star. And then I lasted for like two months because I did not like New York. It was It was very different. Than Florida, as you know, just, <laughs> I, just I a little, drive. <laughs> just a tad, just a tad. And so I went back home and, you know, when you're, when you're from a family that really, they don't understand arts, they're like, you need to get a job that pays your bills and you have health insurance. And my mom was like, you need to find a job. So I went to my old high school. I started teaching. And at the same time, I was modeling um, down in Florida, doing like different runway shows and print and commercials. And then I said, okay, I'm going to save this money. And then after a year of teaching, I'm going to move to LA. Maybe LA is more my speed. And then 9-11 happened. And so then I was like terrified and I'm like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. So I stayed home for another year, kind of uh, went back. I actually quit my job. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to be a star in LA. And then 9-11. And then I went back. I was like, okay, so um, remember I said I was going somewhere. Uh, Can I get my job back? And so they was like, sure. So they gave me my job back. (laughs) I started teaching again. And then I quit again after the second year. I'm like, for real this time, nobody's going to stop me. I don't have fear. I'm going to do it. So I went, came to LA and I've been to LA ever since. I've been here, you know, grinding, hustling, you know, booking TV shows, comedy, stand-up, sketch, uh, sketch comedy. I was a part of an all-black female sketch group um, called EDF3, and that was amazing. And we we did a bunch of shows, and we traveled. And so I just I just kept busy, you know. I kept busy, and and things were going and going and going. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. it, it's like it it only takes what twenty years to be an overnight success. So yeah. You know, you got to add in inflation and COVID and, and earthquakes and fires. And, and there you go. <laughs> I I love that you just said that. It only takes 20 years to be an overnight success. I literally, when my when my spelling test video went viral, immediately when I started like playing the clubs on like a more national scale, when I would come in, mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, this is this viral guy. He just had this video go viral. I'm like, 10 years. <laughs> Been doing stand up right. for ten years. Like <laughs> wow, that's it's, crazy. It happens. Um, but another thing that I love is I love somebody who uses their celebrity for good, and I love that you have started this jelly mentorship program for mm-hmm. people in the black community who are getting involved in entertainment and mentoring them mm-hmm. through that. I am like dying for you to tell me more. Okay, sure. Like, so Jelly, and it's spelled J-E-L-I, is a tech startup. It's a platform for people of color to kind of navigate the industry in a supported way by connecting with professionals so they can kind of create their own roadmap to success. 
me personally, I've always wanted a mentor. Like that was when I first came to LA, I would meet comedians. I would ask them like, Hey, can you give me some advice or like, let's go have coffee and really try to cultivate those relationships so that I can have guidance. It never happened. Right. People was like, you young, you cute. Oh, hell no. I'm not about to open up my network to you so you can come and take my jobs. Uh uh-uh. Good luck, boo-boo. Um, so I never really had a mentor. And so for me, now, now I'm at this point in my career, I'm like, why not give back? Why not kind of help the young, ge- younger generation not go through the things that I went through? It's, it's really, it's about giving, right? It's about receiving so that people can fulfill their dreams. And that's what, te- that's what Jelly is. It will be that hub um, and that community for people who want to be not only in front of the camera, but also behind the camera, all the way from development to distribution. Like we want to have a community of black and brown people because Hollywood is known for saying, hey, we did our best or, you know, okay, Oscar's not so white this year. We had two people nominated. And and the truth is we want real inclusion, real diversity. So Hollywood can look like the world that we live in, you know, like it's way more interesting to have people of different ethnicities and origins and languages and cultures, because that's what makes, that's what makes the soup good. You know, you put all those ingredients in there and you put all those colors in there and and, and that's more inviting. And so Jelly wants to be the the forerunner in, in creating these, these communities for people to come and, and realize they, they have value they are appreciated and they are going to be paid accordingly, you know, for their talent. And that's my, that's my grind. You know, that's something that I'm, I'm still uh, attaining. So why not, while I'm doing it for myself, also create a tech startup because technology is the future, right? Every, everybody, especially now with COVID, people aren't really able to go in and have one-on-ones with casting or producers. So we want to make sure that we create this, this this platform so people can log in and and kind of get all of the things they need whether that's peer-to-peer mentorship whether that's vip chats whether that's you know pre-recorded live streams from top celebrities in their specific categories like we want people to be heard and we want their stories told and we want people to feel like their dreams can flourish even in this environment this is going to sound so stupid. The passion, <laughs> the passion in your eyes is like unbelievable. Like I literally just asked you about this and I saw you just change into like, this is, this is the purpose. Like, this is what's up. This is and my purpose. I it lo- is. I my, thought acting was, but mm-mm. my next, it's a part of it though. It's a part of it. Yeah. My next face tattoo is definitely going to be, that's what makes the soup taste good. <laughs> that was an amazing quote. Um, so I, I often have a lot of fans of the podcast who will write in who are um, young comics who are looking to break into the industry or young artistic people, many of which are young people of color. How could someone, if they're listening right now, sign up for Jelly or, or get involved if maybe they're already established? Like, what, what's the process like? Where do they go? So we have the website up. You guys can go to jelly.life, L-I-F-E. And we also have the Instagram and the Twitter of Life is Jelly, J-E-L-I. And, you know, follow me. I'm, you know, I'm always promoting myself, Jelly, other people um, at I am Nika King. And so, yeah, we were, we're so excited about getting this thing off the ground because we know that this is, this is going to be a game changer. I love it. 
Um, okay, you just did it. You basically told people where to find you, but where else can they find more of you? And, 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 is there any tea? Like, what do we need to do? What are we expecting? What's coming up? What should we have our eyes open for? Well, I'm going to talk really slowly to tease you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, you can follow me on social media, all socials at I am Nika, N-I-K-A, King. Um, look forward to my King Confessions podcast. I'm going to release about five more of those because I have I have five sitting in the bank. So I'm going to go ahead and let those live into the wonderful world um, that we live in. And Euphoria season two is actually starting filming in. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I'm so I'm so glad we met. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I hope everyone got as much out of this as I did, because I'm, I'm literally captivated by your energy. You're so cool and so real. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Joe. For sure. We'll see ya. All right, guys. Hey, you guys, thanks so much for listening to the Social Studies Podcast. I absolutely love hearing from you. You can go ahead and text the word POD to 1-313-251-1036. That's 1-313-251-1036. And also, don't forget the Patreon. Get all that bonus footage, bonus episodes of the podcast. You're going to get the Let's Watch TV videos now. Yeah, we're doing that on the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Jodombrowski, patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. And also, if you want to come to the Holiday Telethon, which I want you at, the virtual Holiday Telethon tickets are active now at MrDTimes3.com. I love you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Try to catch me howling at the moon.